Jesus. 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 There's just something. You know the song, sing with me. About that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like a fragrance after the rain. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. Jesus. I've been calling his name like for two or three days straight. Finally this morning I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I sound like a nagging kid calling them, you know, they call them mom, 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 mom. And I'm just like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm sorry, I apologize. I just can't think what else to say, but call your name. Pastor Jane started talking about the conference. And he's he's absolutely right. I think we had not been to a conference for maybe 15, 20 years. We didn't want to go to a conference. And this conference on the Holy Spirit just caught us. And he it's absolutely true. They, it was from 10 in the morning to 10 at night. And we saw some amazing things. Every single speaker was so filled with God. Um, you can go, you can go to uh, Christ for the Nations. You could go on their website. You could go on God TV, um, on demand, and you could see every speaker. You know, you could hear the messages. And so, on our roll, maybe two, maybe two or three of the days that we were there, we sat with a family. It was a husband, wife, and a, and a little boy. He was maybe like a year old. And I would watch this family. And the father would put the little boy on that halter, you know, that halter thing and put the baby right here. And dad was like all over the place. I told my husband, oh my God, this, this young man is like crazy. I, I never seen nothing like this. And the father be waving his hand and the little one-year-old would be like this. Inside the hall, you know. And he was just right there, pra- one-year-old praising with, with his dad. And then after time, the father took him out and put him and he was so upset. You know, he was just standing there, like, watching where dad was praising. And when dad fell on the ground and he was just, you know, overcoming the spirit, he was just right there watching his dad. 
And he just wanted his dad to pick him up, put him here so he could praise. That's what he wanted to do, this little one-year-old. I said, wow, look at that little boy. And he was just watch. He wasn't bothering. He wasn't crying. He was just watching his dad in the spirit, just watching like this. Wherever he could see a spot between rows that he could see his father on the floor, he was like this. I said, oh, my God, that little boy is a worshiper. So at one point, we had a moment that we connected. And I told his parents, you know, your little boy is a worshiper. He's marked to be a worshiper. And they said, yes, we believe it. We also believe that he has a gift for music. I said, you got to stroke that. You got to fan that fire in that little boy because this little kid was on fire for God. And all I could say was, wow, if I was a parent raising children right now, I would be marking my kids for God. You understand? Marking them that wherever they went, God's presence would go with them. That wherever they stepped, the atmosphere and the environment changed just because they walked in. I'd be marking my children. All of you that are parents here, today, today, not tomorrow, today. How many of your parents are going to lay a hand on your kids and mark them for God today? If you have kids, let me see. Mark your kids. Mark your kids today for God. Mark them that they feel hungry and passionate for God. Because the way things are going out in the world, they need to be passionate for God in order to survive. Mark them. So, you know, we've never been to anything like this. People praying, you know, in the, in the hallways. And we didn't want to miss one speaker. So, you know, one, one of the days I told Pastor Jay, you know what? We're just going to, we're going to stay right here. Because you could actually stay there all day. And I said, we're going to stay right here. I'm going to go get a hot dog. I'll get a hot dog. You know what? They have concession food. I'm going to go get a hot dog. And I'll be back. So I go to get a hot dog, and I'm standing on the line. The, the man is getting me my hot dog. And this lady comes up to me. And she says, excuse me. Have you been having a pain on your right side that goes all the way to the back here like this? And I just looked down. Just like that. I said, Yes. She says, does it have to do with your kidney or your bladder? And I looked at her. I said, yes. And she said, what have the doctors told you? I said, they can't find what it is. She says, huh? Well, the Lord told me that you're suffering with this. And you're going to get healed. I said, praise the Lord. So she takes one finger, she puts it on my forehead, and she starts to pray. And then she stops and she says, you have something wrong with your intestines, right? And I looked at her. I said, yes. She says, what is it? And so I went around and told her. She says, do you know? that issues 
in the abdominal area have to do with having been abused as a child? She says this to me. She says, uh, do you have anything like that in your history? And I looked at her. Yes. She says, well, the Lord says that you have a hidden soul tie connected to that abuse that continues to come out in the physical. I said, hmm. She said, in case you didn't know that. I said, well, thank you. She puts the finger. She starts to pray. One finger. And she says, it's taken care of. The Lord's taking care of me. I, I, I don't feel it. I don't know. I thought it was a kidney stone, but, you know, that was me diagnosing Dr. Maldonado, diagnosing herself. And so I said, wow. I went back to my seat and I said, you don't believe what just happened to me outside. He's like, what? And I'm telling him this whole thing, and he's just looking at me. I said, I had searched for that lady all those days because I, I, I wanted to talk to her. I could not find that lady, considering, I mean, there's thousands of people there, okay? But, you know, she was up and down the hallways praying for people, and I said, she's got to be around here somewhere. I was looking for her everywhere. I could never find her. I said, well, Lord, you know what? You're amazing in the way you do things. Amazing. I went to get a hot dog, and I came back with healing. You're amazing. You're amazing. What did, I, what did I come out of this conference? I tell you. I heard this expression and it said, that's it. Divine discontent. Divine discontent. And it's that there's, there's more. And I'm, I don't want to settle. I want to experience the fullness of God. I'm beginning to believe him for things that I didn't even know I needed to believe for. Does that make sense to anybody? You know, and I'm beginning to understand this, that I thought I loved Jesus, but I didn't love him as much as I thought. That makes sense to anybody? Because I preach to myself. I ain't got a problem with that. You know? Yeah, I'll preach to myself. I'll lay hands on myself. You know, I'll claim stuff out and claim stuff in. And I'll <laughs> I will have a service on my own. But I'm learning so much about Jesus. And I'm learning some things about faith in God. And I'm learning that, and I think I spoke to Pastor Jay about this um, maybe a week ago. I was telling Pastor Jay, there's a spirit of hopelessness attacking the church. See, I said, there's a spirit of hopelessness attacking the church. We forget about the power that is in Jesus. We forget about who Jesus is, you know, and we've become, we've secularized 
our relationship with the Lord. And we try to bring him down to the level of this whole world. He's not. He's supreme. He's above all. He's majestic, all-powerful, all-knowing. I said, we, we try to reduce him. See? And I was remembering this testimony that I heard this past week that impressed me so much. There was a service, and, and uh, they were praying for the sick. And they bring up this young girl. She's uh, a beautiful Hindu girl. And she's weeping and weeping, and she's crying, and she's saying, Why? Why? Why did he heal me? Why did Jesus heal me? I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. Why would he heal me? She's crying. She's bawling. It turns out she had a diagnosis of lupus, and she could not walk. And she walked up on that stage, and she's weeping. Why would he heal me? I don't know him. See? And the evangelist tells her, he puts an arm around her and tells her, but he knows you. And she's just weeping on him, weeping. And she says, you know, I'm a Hindu girl. I, this is all I know, but I want to know Jesus. You know, how can I become a Christian? She says, I want to know Jesus. And I say, wow, you know, people experiencing Jesus and we're supposed to be followers of Jesus and we don't even experience him to the maximum that he wants to display himself to us. Because he wants to, he wants to have relationship with us. We're the ones that set limits on the relationship that we want to have with him. We set limits. We say, I'm going to take you this far and that's about it. Jesus, I want you, come in, you to come into my life, but only up to this point, you know. Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life, but wait, what's the center? It's a little off kilter. See. So the spirit of hopelessness has attacked the church where we have leaders leaving the flock. And I know that you've been watching the news, right? We know about Joshua Harris. We know about Marty Sampson. And now, unfortunately, we know about Pastor Jared Wilson from the Harvest Christian Fellowship. And we've all read, and I'm sure millions of people have read the account of his committing suicide. And so Pastor Jay and I, we're talking about this, and we say, okay, so people always ask this question. Did he go to heaven or did he go to hell? Right? And Pastor Jay and I have come to the conclusion that we don't know if he went to heaven or he went to hell, and we don't feel that we're qualified to determine if he went to heaven or he went to hell. All I can comment on is what he himself put on Twitter, right? And so his last Twitter post, if you haven't read it already, you heard it, but I'm sure some of you have. His last Twitter post was, loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. 
Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. Right? So I read this. And the scripture tells me that by your fruit you shall be known. Right? I can not judge another person whether they're going to heaven or hell. But the scripture tells me that by your fruit I can tell who you are and you can tell who I am. Right? And so sadly, this last Twitter is able to show me that something was missing in this young pastor's life. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Being a pastor is not, it's not a small thing. It carries with it an incredible amount of responsibility before the Lord. See? And yes, you, you, know, you pour your heart out to the people, and you'll always have one or two that will come back and slap you back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or maybe you don't all you know, you're knowing right now, right? That not everybody's as excited of, being, of you being their pastor as you are of pastoring them, right? Let's put it that way. And so it's, it's a difficult call that we answer to, but yet the Lord equips us to be able to carry forward in this calling that he has in our lives. He equips us to be able to do this. So one of the things that I've learned through my life is that I cannot do anything without this. I can't. And as I'm sitting there today, just before service or during worship, and I get this clear picture of uh, 40 years ago, maybe? 40 years ago. Wow, that sounds like a long time ago. Wow. 40 years ago, I uh, was having an ectopic pregnancy and I didn't know it. And I had lost half of the baby and the other half was stuck in my fallopian tube. And I was home and I was having internal bleeding for one whole week. Right? By the time I got to the hospital, I had lost one third of my blood supply. And so what kept me that whole week from not dying, I believe, was the scripture. Because I actually would sit and read it every single moment of every day. And when I went to sleep, I would put this under my pillow. And I believe the word kept me. And so I, I, look, I looked in the scripture and I found this verse. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans 15, 4. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. So, so many things that were written was for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Are you catching this verse? This is really important. That we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 
So I said, wow, this young pastor sounded very hopeless. See, he's full of depression and he's full of anxiety. And anxiety is what? Fear of the unknown. So you're afraid. And we know that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, right? Eunice said the verse a little while ago, right? Eunice, how does the verse go? But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So I cannot, and, I, and if you don't agree with me, that's okay. But I cannot believe that there are any limits to Jesus. I refuse to accept that. There are no limits to Jesus. There is not a medical condition that he cannot heal. There is not uh, an affliction of the mind that he cannot heal. There is not a fear that he cannot take away. See? See? And I'm, I'm having a new concept. I'm getting a new revelation on healing. And I'm getting a revelation on why is it that we pray and we don't, we don't get healing. It's because our souls are not right. See, we need to pray for our soul. I, I got this right from the lady at the hot dog stand. I got it. It was like a flash of revelation to me. See? I said, that's the problem. Our souls are not being healed. And so, therefore, we having all of these medical conditions, mind conditions. You think as pastors, we don't go through this stuff? Let me tell you. I can't tell you. I thank God that the Lord has delivered me from that. But there was times that I felt the depression coming like this black cape trying to get over me. Anybody ever experienced that? You feel it. It feels like this cape. Think of Batman. It feels like this cape coming to want to rest upon you. And I have taken my hand and I've done this in the spirit. I said, no, you're not resting upon me. I'm going to the word and the word is going to give me the strength that I need to take a stand. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6. Verse 11 through 13 says this. That we need to put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Right? against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand. Everything that you know to do, you've done it. And the scripture says, well, now that you've done everything that you've thought to do, now you need to stand. And I went to Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. See, every verse will lead you somewhere else. Exodus 14, 13, when Moses tells the people, do not be afraid. 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. See, are you getting that connection? And so the Lord is telling me to stand. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm feeling horrible. I'm feeling miserable. I'm having thoughts. I'm anxious. I don't know why I'm afraid of what. I'm depressed about my whole life. And if you notice that everything that I've just expressed to you is about me. I'm afraid. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. Everything is about me. See, and when someone commits this act of suicide, it's all about them. They're not able to see outside of that. They're not able to see the children they leave behind. They're not able to see the wife or the husband they leave behind. They're not able to see the family that has to now deal with this. And I happened to hear a testimony this week of, of a young lady, and she was talking about how devastated she was as a child with her father having committed suicide. Yeah, it, It's not about you. But what gets in the way of us being delivered from all of these things is our self. Because this is what Catherine Coleman said. I'm going to read you what she said. God cannot heal people who are all wrapped up in themselves. God cannot get through that. He's not going to go farther than you let him go. And so if you want to wrap yourself up in, the, in, in you, he's not going to get past that. It says, God cannot get through that. Healing comes when they are relaxed and the presence of Jesus becomes more real than the disease. Now, I, I got to say that to you one more time. Healing comes when the presence of Jesus becomes more real than the disease. So anyway, so the focus has to be on the Lord and not on the disease. When you see Jesus, you will not see your disease. See, and then Jesus can step in and remove it. But we become so focused on our condition, we give it power. We empower illness, we empower depression, anxiety. We empower that when oh, that's all we voice. And so what we need to start doing is turning that around. And we need to start talking about Jesus. And we need to talk about what Jesus can do. We need to talk about what Jesus wants to do. We need to talk about what Jesus is willing to do. And we need to remember this, these things. Jesus is Jehovah Shalom. He's the prince of my peace. You're, you're, yes, you're Jehovah Shalom. You're Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You are Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. You are Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. You are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. The all-sufficient one. This is who he is. He's not who the world is telling me. He's who he tells me he is. He's who... The scripture tells me who he is. He is who the spirit of God that dwells in me tells me who he is. 
See? That's important. And so as I, as I read the, the Twitter of this young pastor, I say, Lord, we need to pray that the body of God... See, because the enemy, he knows that when he attacks us from the outside, we're ready. We're expecting that. You know what I mean? We're expecting the world not to be in agreement with us. We're expecting the world to attack everything that is godly. We're expecting that. So we're on the ready. But he has learned to infiltrate the body of Christ. This is what he does. And he gets us from the inside. Because we're not expecting that from each other. We don't know. Everybody's spinning on their head on what happened with this poor pastor. See, but we were not created to only think the outside. The outside. You know, I'm I'm you're going to laugh at this. I'm getting to my point. Pastor Jay and I, this week, he went to get fitted for his tuxedo, right? And I'm sitting there with him, and they're playing classic rock. And so he's, he's getting fitted over there, and I'm sitting there. And, it's, it's, and this is funny, because this morning, as I'm getting ready for my message, you know, I think about it all night long, and I'm praying about it all night long. And I'm saying, Lord, we are targets. The enemy is targeting the church. You know, and this is what came out as I'm saying this, right? I'm a cowboy on a steel horse I ride. I'm wanted, dead or alive, wanted, dead or alive. This was the song that was playing at the tuxedo place. So I start laughing in bed, and Pastor Jay's like, "What's up with you?" I said, "Honey, you, what's going on up here? You just you don't want to know what's going on up here." And I said, "I'm singing this song, and I'm saying, boy, this is, this goes with my message. We are so wanted, dead or alive. The enemy has targets on us, and he's like, you know what? If I can't get them on the outside." They're ready, they strengthen, they get, they, uni- they get united on it. I'm going to get them from the inside. And if you've noticed, there's been an escalation in what's going on. We went from Joshua Harris in confusion, not knowing what was what, right? To Marty Sampson, who has sung the most powerful, written and sung the most powerful worship songs with eight number one albums, Right? saying, I'm done. To now, this young pastor who commits suicide. Listen, if we're spiritual, but you don't even have to be spiritual to see that there is an escalation of what's going on. But as spiritual people, we begin to see this and we say, oh, wait a minute. This is a spiritual thing going on. This is a spirit. Depression is a spirit. Anxiety is a spirit. Fear absolutely is a spirit. Okay? And so we understand that we need to cover ourselves. And I I hope you guys are praying for us. I hope that you remember us in your prayers. Because we need it. As pastors, we need it. See? Like if you you think you have a, a bullseye on you, wow. 
The target on us is so big that even a blind person could hit it. Do you understand? So, let's read some of these verses. We have four people praying for us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That in a congregation of this size. Thank you for praying for us. When I'm looking at the activities that this young pastor had that day, I realized that he went from a joyous moment of sports with his son to doing a funeral service for a woman who had committed suicide. I said, hmm. So he goes from a joyous moment to a funeral, and then a few hours later, he commits suicide. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. Hebrews chapter 10, 23. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Let's just stay right in that book. Go to Hebrews 11. Flip the page. Hebrews 11, verse 23. Hebrews eleven twenty-three says, no, I read, uh, Hebrews 11, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. This is a very well-known chapter. It says, now faith is the what? Substance, something we could see, we can feel, we can, we can hear. Of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Listen, there's nothing better than hearing a testimony of what God is doing in someone's life. See, for you, this little B story with Eunice might seem like a small thing. But for her, it was telling her that, okay, she needed to focus in on what God was, wanted her to do. And she was applying the lesson that she heard and that message that Sunday. Now, you might think Sunday service, Bible study, cottage night is not important. Those are the lessons that you are going to learn that are going to keep you going in the midst of conflict, disaster, tragedy, right? All that is coming. You're not absent from any of that. We all experience those moments in our life. It's what do we do when we're experiencing these moments that's important. And so I love hearing testimonies. I absolutely do because they encourage me for when I'm going to be going through whatever they've experienced. It just does something. And I remember these testimonies. See, I remember how important the word of God is for the healing of our bodies, our soul, our spirit, our mind. See, and so 
through all of this, I'm, I'm just thinking of that 13-year-old diagnosed with cancer, and I've given you this testimony before. And all she did, all she wanted her parents to do was to put on the word of God being, being read to her. You know, she just wanted to hear that, the word of God being read. And there's healing in the word of God. Healing. Because in it, our faith in God is strengthened. In it, we're able to trust God with impossible things. And I think this is important. This is one of the keys to healing is, one, the word of God, and two, relationship with Jesus. I'm beginning to understand the necessity of this. See? Let's, let's read this verse. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I should have read this one before. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day. Every day, we need the Spirit in our lives. I have so many, I'm just trying to pick the ones that I think will, are the ones for today. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, 1 Peter 1, 21. It says, who through him... Believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. See, we know that Jesus came, he was born, he lived, he died, he resurrected so that we would have hope in him. Hope in God. Hope in God. No situation is impossible for God. See? He wants nothing more than for us to be healed. He wants nothing else than for us to be sound. He wants nothing else than for us to prosper in him. And part of, part of our prospering is healthy. And so we've been, we've, Pastor Jay and I, we've been giving a lot of discussion on this for ourselves about, wow, you know, we need to be healthy in order to be able to finish the mission that's been put in our hands. We need to be healthy. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. Colossians 1 27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. And so even if in my body, in my mind, I, I don't want to have hope. I feel hopeless. If I focus on Jesus, who is the God of hope, he will show me the healing of my body. He will show me what I need to do to get there. But I have to know Jesus 
I have to focus. Let's remember what Catherine Coleman says. I'm not going to focus on my disease. I'm not going to be professing all the time what my condition is. What I'm going to be professing is who he is and what he's going to be doing through me and for me. Professing what God is going to do. Yeah, I was listening, Pastor Jay and I, we were listening to this, um, this wonderful woman by the name of uh, Clarice Fluitt. She was on, uh, um, it's supernatural if you watch Sid Roth at all. And so we, we, we were watching some of her, her messages and uh, she says that, you know, she's going to be 80 next year. She does not look 80. I mean, this woman is amazing. And uh, she says that she was getting out of the car and she started groaning, ugh, like her bones hurt, you know, ugh. And the spirit of God told her, what are you doing? What are you complaining about? And she says, God, you know what? I'm, I'm an old woman. And, you know, I have aches and pains. And the Lord told her, every time that you give voice to your condition, you are empowering the powers of evil to have victory over you. I listened to it like three times because I wanted to get it right. What? You're empowering the powers of darkness to come against you, have victory over you. So she's like, oh, okay, I'm getting it. So she got out of the car the next time and she was going, <laughs> so this morning, as Pastor Jay and I are getting ready for church, you know, everything's like, <laughs> I said, honey, look what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not letting the enemy have one foothold in my life. I refuse. Now that I know what's going on, knowledge is power. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not saying one thing about why it hurts. That, no, not today and not forever. The Lord knows why it hurts in my body. The other thing we should never do is beg God. I, I learned, I've been learning so many things. Woo. We should not beg God. We should talk to him about our situation one time, and then we should just give him the honor and the glory for what's coming. It's like, wow. He knows that you need healing. When we pro- we're, we're telling him what's going on in our life. We're telling him this is what's going on. But if we tell him what's going on every single day and we never call and claim the promises of God, then all we're doing is complaining, complaining, complaining without expecting a result. We expect a result when we are able to stand on his promises. See? You want to stand on his promises. You got to know them. I, I have to tell you that. We're going right back. We're going in circles right back to the Bible. This is why it's so important. And if you think that fellowship is not important, then you've dropped the ball. Fellowship of like believers is important. You know, we, we, we looked at this young pastor and we noticed he had a bunch of pictures with a lot of well-known pastors and I said, well, looky here, all these people he knew, 
and he did not reach out to one person in like fellowship for help. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling like you can't go on, if you're feeling that you don't know a way out, you know, your mind is so clouded that you can't even think of one Bible verse. I tell you what you do. You go and you call somebody that's like-minded to you who can give you words of encouragement. Don't go to somebody that's worse than you. Go to someone that you know knows Jesus and say, help me. I need help in prayer. I need help in prayer because something is going on with me and I'm feeling like I have no hope, but I know my hope rests on him. I know my, my hope rests on Jesus. I know he's equipped me, equipped me for, to have hope in this life, to make it through this life. And so therefore I need help. Pray with me. And all you need is someone that'll pray with you, like-minded that when you come together, I tell you that cloudiness in your mind, it disappears immediately. Immediately it goes away because the scripture tells us that wherever two or more are gathered in his name, there he will be. So that's important. The enemy wants to isolate you because if he can isolate you, he can play with your mind. If he can isolate you, he'll keep you from reading your word, from hearing the word, from talking to other people that are going to encourage you in the spirit. Yeah. If he can isolate you, that's the first thing he does. You stop coming to church. You, you notice that? You have, that ever happened to you? When you're having a situation going on in your life, the first thing you do, you stop going to church. You stop talking to people. People are calling you, hey, how you doing? Fine. Which is telling you, don't talk to me right now. Hey, how are things going? Okay. Yeah. Haven't seen you at church. Busy. See? Detach you from the body of Christ. Because if he can detach you, he'll get you along. You ever watch these wildlife shows? Get with it. Get with it. The enemy does not create anything new. You realize that, right? Everything that he does is an imitation. And so he himself has watched Wild Kingdom, National Ge Geography, whatever that's called, Geographic, right? He himself has watched Animal Kingdom, that show, what is the name of it? Planet? Animal Planet. And so he watches and he sees, oh, look at all these gazelles. They're running away from the lion. Oh, but there's always that one. If we could isolate that one that's in the back of the pack, we got them. Don't get left in the back of the pack. Don't get isolated from the rest of the pack. This is not the army. This is not, you know, what do they call it? The war of one. What did they used to call that? What was it, Jonathan? The army of one. Isn't that what they used to have, like some kind of a campaign going on? Be the army of one. I don't know who made millions of dollars on that. But how bogus was that? 
the army of one. No, we are an army of soldiers for Christ, walking in one direction, following one leader with one purpose. We, you know what? We're fighting a war that's already been won. Have you read your Bible lately in Revelation? I was, I was listening to Pat- Patricia King. She's a very prophetic woman. Pat- Patricia King. And she was saying that she had this wonderful experience in the Lord, you know, and she goes to heaven and she's hearing all this laughter in heaven, you know. She's hearing laughter and people, and she's like, what is going on up here? We're all fighting battles down there. We're all dealing with the enemy down there and you guys are having a party up here? And the Lord told her, why not celebrate? The battle has already been won. The battle has been won. We need to remember that. We're just going through the steps of, we're so living in the end of this war. Wake up, church. Wake up. We are so living in the last days. Read your scripture. It'll show, I keep going back to the scripture. Read your scripture. It's telling you all the things that are, have been, this is a prophetic book. All the things that have been written here, we're living right now. Where men are doers of evil. Where we call what's good bad and what's bad good. Don't you watch the news sometimes and say, what in the world is going on here? How could they not see that that's not a good thing? How could they not see that? You know, now, you know, now they even want to leave the box blank when, they, when your baby's born and what's their gender. Let them decide later on who they are. Say what? Your body tells you who you are. Right? You could only be one of two. Right? Male or female. Your body tells you who you are. So we're thankful to God because we had a little, another little girl born here last night. Thank you, Jesus. For Alicia. Alicia, I think they're pronouncing it Alicia. Alessia. Oh, I would have never got that. Alessia Grace Albanese. Born yesterday. She's absolutely beautiful. She knows who she is already. Her parents know who they put a big old pink bow on her head. She already knows who she is. <laughs> She's adorable. <laughs> put a pink bow. This one thing I know. In Hebrews chapter, no, I'm not even going there. First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three, you already there. Verse 15, and this is the last verse I'm going to tell you. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. I know the hope that is in me. You need to know the hope that is in you. That if somebody asks you, why, how could you feel hopeful with everything going on in politics and everything going on in this country? 
I have a hope and I know who it relies on. I know who it depends on. I know who it rests on. And it rests on Jesus. 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 Only Jesus. I want to pray. Will you join me in prayer? I want to pray for Pastor Jared's family. I'm not praying for him because that's out of my hands. That's out of anybody's hands. It's in God's hands, right? But one, one message that Pastor Jay and I wanted to convey to this congregation is that it is not a good thing for us to commit suicide. God has given us life. It's precious to him because if life was not precious to him, he would not have come and born everything that he went through so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Do you understand? Life is precious. And if God has given you the opportunity to live this life, live it to the fullest in him. Yep. You have to understand that the enemy's in his last this is it. He knows his end is around the corner. So he's pulling out everything out of the bag. He's taking every weapon, even things that he would not have considered in the past. He's taking it now. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. The last thing we want to convey to the church, and I want everybody to listen to me, is that if you're going through a situation that's become so difficult for you that you feel you can't handle, that because you're a Christian, you could cut that affliction, make you the decision to cut your affliction by committing suicide because you have a guarantee that you're going to be with the Lord. That is the biggest lie of the devil. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Jesus said, Jesus said, the one who we love, the one who, we, the one who this young man spoke about it, and it's that sweet. Jesus said, Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So as we pray for this young man's family, we're praying that anyone who's struggling with the thought, see, I went through two days of severe depression, didn't know where it came from. I have a happy life. I have a, I have a joyful wife. I have a beautiful family. I have an amazing congregation that God has given me the honor to, 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 to relate to, to trust, and to, have a, a, to, to, to shepherd. So I have no reason for it. But I went to 48 hours straight depression. I mean, deep depression. I didn't sleep for 48 hours. Battle, and I couldn't even ask her for help at that moment. The one thing that I did was, and the Spirit of God led me, because that's when you have relationship with the Spirit. You got to understand, just because we're pastors, it doesn't, it's not an automatic that we have relationship with the Spirit. There's pastors right now that are pastoring simply because they were educated, they were trained, or they were pastoring because somebody sent them, but doesn't mean that I have a relationship with the Spirit. I have a relationship with the Spirit. And so when I went through those 48 hours of depression, deep depression, borderline thoughts of suicide, the only thing that I could turn to was for the, to the word of God. 
and I couldn't even understand what I was reading because my mind was so messed up. I couldn't comprehend. I didn't even know what verses I read, but I just read because that's where the Spirit of God led me to do. And as I began to read the Word of God without understanding it, immediately that Spirit began to just leave, leave. That's why I was concerned when some of you said amen. I want you to open up the, to that quote. I want you to listen to this again. The, the quote of him, yeah. Loving Jesus doesn't, doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. I want you to hear this before you say amen. But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer companionship and comfort. Now, let me say something. If you're struggling through any one of these things and Jesus is offering you companionship and comfort and you receive that companionship and comfort, if this is the same man that the Bible says that at the sound of his name, demons tremble. If this is the same man that from afar, a man who had been bound and had a whole village hostage, they couldn't control him. Chains couldn't bind him. But when he saw Jesus coming from afar, the demons in him started shouting, what, why are you coming to disturb us? Why can't you leave us, leave us alone? Why must you come here to cast us out? As a matter of fact, if you're going to cast us out, at least throw us into that herd of pigs. If this is the same Jesus that offers comfort and companionship, there is no way in hell that if he's being my companion, my comfort in this moment, I don't care whether, where you got your depression, where you got your suicidal thoughts, whether it was a chemical imbalance or, or whatever, because now that's the big thing. It's, it's all a chemical imbalance, and so it justifies for us to do this. If you know Jesus and he's your companion, trust me, he takes care of your chemical imbalance. All you got to do is cry out to him. Cry out to Jesus. Do not allow the enemy to deceive you into thinking that you could cut your affliction short and you could expedite your entrance into the presence of God by committing suicide. Because I'm here to tell you, there is no guarantee about that. The Bible says that those who kill do not inherit the kingdom of God. When you commit suicide, you didn't kill someone else. You killed who? Yourself. So as we pray for this young man's family, I want to pray for people in this room that are struggling. I don't want to know who you are because this is such a sensitive issue. There's young people in this room that are struggling with this. I feel in my spirit. There's, there's no age respect right now. There's no age discrepancy right now. There's no discretion right now of age. There's people of all ages in this room that right now are considering or even have the thought has come to their mind. And so as we pray for this young man's family, we're binding, cursing, casting out the spirit of suicide because it doesn't belong in the body of Christ. It was unheard of. What was common in the world and in society, it was unheard of that it would even infiltrate the church. 
I am pissed off at the devil. And I'm going to say it again. I'm pissed off that he would dare to disrespect the body of Christ to the extent that now he's filtered into the church with things that 10, 20, 30 years ago one heard of in the church, in the body of Jesus Christ. So he's creeping in. He's, he's making head waves. He's trying to get in because he knows the only ones of interest right now to him is not the world. It's you and I. He wants to kill us because we are the only hope this world has. If he kills the hope in the church, forget about any chance for any harvest, any, any sinners to be saved in this last moment. So right now, stand up as Pastor Margie prays. This is seen on chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 14 when Peter went to Jesus to walk um, over the uh, water. The thing is this, we can have doubt. We can, we can have doubt. But what he did when he was going down, what he said? He cried out. He said, help, save me. So the church is just going to themselves and getting quiet. When we have pastors, we have leaders in the church cry out, if I need help, say, pastor, I need help. If anybody needs help, cry for help. Peter said it, save me that I'm per perished. Save me, amen. Get the spirit of Peter. Save me, Lord, that I'm perished. Don't stay quiet. Don't stay quiet. You could pray in the spirit in your own language, or if you have the heavenly language, just pray in the spirit right now. Pray in the spirit. I, want, I need someone to join me right now. Malahasata la mashika la mashura masaya. Broseketa, brosakati mashaha. Palai sokoto moshita la hasaya. Malahasita mashukotomo sita la masia. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. We cast out the spirit of suicide. We remove layers of hurt, of experiences from the present and many from the past, from childhood, that have gained momentum because we've learned how to put them under the radar. And we've allowed ourselves to live with these things and thinking that ignoring them, they will go away. Right now in the name of Jesus, we remove these layers. Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
In the name of Jesus, we say, devil, get your hands off of prohibited property. We belong to Jesus. We belong to God. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. There is no room for depression, for oppression. There is no room in the name of Jesus for chemical imbalances in the brain that would take a child of God to such an extreme. Right now, we have the mind of Christ. My mind is the mind of Christ, and so the mind of Christ can never be overcome by these thoughts. And so we say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we are not exempt from experiencing depression. We are not exempt from experiencing negative thoughts, but we are sealed. We have been sealed by the blood of the lamb. We belong to Jesus. The spirit of death cannot touch us because we have been sealed. The blood of Jesus has been placed someplace other than just the doorpost of a, a, of a building, but they have been placed in the doorpost of our hearts, of our spirit, of our brains. So our brains are covered, our hearts are covered, our spirit are covered, our flesh is covered by the blood of Jesus, and death and suicide has no right to the children of God. And so, Father, we pray for this man's family. Our hearts break when we hear of a colleague, of a comrade, someone who you had called, oh God, to lead, and you had entrusted with the care of so many that he would have taken this, made, made this choice. Father, our heart breaks for him. We don't know. We were not in his shoes, God. But one thing we do know, the promises of God, the word of God. We know what your word has established. And we know that, yes, Yes, we could have a relationship with you, and you, yes, can cure depression. And yes, a relationship with you can cure suicidal thoughts. And yes, a relationship with you can remove PTSD. And yes, a relationship with you can take away anything that the enemy will try to bring in to try to destroy and shorten and take away our lives and remove us, oh God, from being a weapon in your hands to attack his kingdom. So, Father, in the name of Jesus... We pray for his wife, for his children, for the church that he pastored. We pray for the millions of people all throughout the world that have read this and the many thousands upon thousands of Christians that are experiencing these thoughts and are allowing the enemy to convince them that they can shorten their affliction by taking their lives. We say, Holy Spirit, awaken in them right now. Awakening them, awaken their conscience. Oh God, bring them to the realization of your word, of your promises. Oh God, and let the church become what the church was created to be a beacon of hope, a beacon of healing, a beacon of restoration to a lost and dying world. You never called us to be a beacon of hope to a lost and dying church. No, the church is alive, is vibrant. You called us to be a beacon of hope to a lost and dying world. And so we bind all of this. And we say, in this house, devil, you have no right. I'm talking about in my house, my, my tabernacle, but also in this house, in this family of RLS, you have no right. 
We decree that anyone that's struggling will cry out to Jesus. And if they continue to struggle, they'll cry out to their brothers and sisters. They'll cry out to their pastors, to their leaders. And we together will fight together because this is not for us to fight alone. We're not an army of one. We are an army of many. One can put a thousand to flee, but two could put 10,000 to flee. And so when we come together, oh God, as you have commissioned us to do so, oh God, we know we can chase not only demons, but legions out of our lives, out of our ministries, out of our families, out of our homes, out of our community, out of this state, out of this nation. Oh God, out of the church, legions can flee. And so forgive us, Lord, for disregarding the secret place, the prayer closet, place of intimacy. Even us as ministers, we get so caught up in doing ministry that we don't realize when this stress creeps in and then it moves into depression and then it moves into anxiety because we got so busy doing ministry that we forgot the one who we were called to minister to. And so bring us back to the prayer closet. Bring us back to the secret place. Bring us back to the word of God. Bring us back to your word, Lord. And as we do so, there is no weapon, absolutely no weapon, that the disgusting, slimy devil can bring against us. There is no weapon that he will be able to bring against us that will succeed. Because that's what your word says. I didn't say your word says it, and we stand on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Elder Nelson. Uh, and then Abby has some announcements. Uh, just a few more minutes and we'll leave. This is important, guys. This is important because we don't know. We don't know what's in this room. We don't know what people are struggling. And so I'd rather stay here an extra 15 minutes, half hour, and deal with this than to have to do a funeral in a few days because we were so, in such a rush to eat lunch. And to go nowhere that we didn't care about people who might be struggling even in this house.